there. Tom D'Antoni back with another OMN Coffee Shop Conversations mini-episode, something we started a few weeks ago. You can count on one full and one mini-episode per week. And did you know, we're also on iTunes, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. We are. Just search for Oregon Music News to find every past and present Coffee Shop Conversation. Of course, that coffee shop is World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason. Today, we're bringing back the Boogie Cat. Norman Sylvester is going to tell us all about a show he's got coming up at the Alberta Rose Theater, which he calls the Phenomenal Concert, the journey of American music from Africa to the Mississippi Delta to the 21st century. All right, then. Let's find out about it. World Cup Coffee and Tea. Well, thank you very much. Um, it's a pleasure to be here, Tom. Yeah, we had that, that last time you were in here, that was, that was deep. We had a pretty good conversation. We, we, we always did. have good yes, conversations. Very true. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you, this, is, this, is, this is coming up to prime time for you, isn't it? It is, it is, yeah. yeah. You've got festivals, almost, some, some of these are every day. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a busy, busy summer. You yeah. know, we're really, the phone is still ringing, you know, at 71. That's a blessing for the old boogie cats, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you can't beat that. No, you can't. No, you know. no. Still cashing checks at that age is pretty good. Pretty good, yes. Pretty good, yes. yeah. Um, but so why don't we start out with uh, this, this, the concert that's coming up um, this Friday. Not this Friday, next Friday. Next Friday, next yes. Friday, the second. Yeah. June 2nd. And um, why you call it phenomenal? Phenomenal, I I call it that because in my mind, I thought about bringing all these musicians together just to give an overview, a brief overview of the history Mm -hmm. of the journey of um, American music, the blues and gospel, from the cradle of birth in Africa to the Mississippi Delta and beyond. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just, it it was a phenomenal journey Thus, the phenomenal festival concert, yeah. you know, yeah. Are you going to be doing any talking during this? It's going to be some monologue in there, given yeah. uh, we'll have conversation between the artists themselves, uh-huh. yeah. and we'll have lead-in points, uh, conversation for the acts as they come on, uh, yeah. Well, let's run down who's going to be there. You're going to, you're going to start with uh, Chata Adi? Chata Adi, he's the Ghanaian drummer. He's going to do yeah. the African from the African roots part of the show. He'll come in and he'll play and talk about the uh, history of the drum and the natural uh, uh, rhythm that we all have and we share. But to the Africans, that music was communication. Yeah. That drum beat turned into the foundation for their lives the work song the work the hole into the dirt the axe into the wood that's all that rhythm that that one boom 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 that's just like the drum beat that whole thing is inside was inside the slaves came over here from Africa so it was part of their survival the rhythm just having the rhythm of life you know uh, first time the one was heard in the, in, in North America <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he'll come up with and he'll do that he, and he play talking drum yeah yeah, yeah. you know a child he's a great entertainer yeah. so after him we'll do uh, a gospel portion and that'll be LaRonda Steele 
my daughter Lynn Ann, Sylvester Miller, and myself, and we'll do some acapella gospel. Really? Uh, just like uh, my dad used to do when I was a kid in Louisiana. He sang in a gospel quartet. Oh, yeah. And they were no, no musical instruments. It was all acapella. The bass was the, the deep, deep bass, you know. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of that, and then we'll segue into a live band thing with a little bit of gospel quartet with the band. After that, we will make mention of Mr. Scott Joplin and Mr. W.C. Handy, and uh, we'll have a feature, our keyboard player, doing a um, ragtime piece. Yeah. You know, just to add a little bit of, that's when music was beginning to be notated yeah. down on sheet music, the Who's blues. Who's your keyboard player? Uh, Jeff Otto. Oh, yeah. Jeff Otto, he'll yeah. be doing that. Uh, Tevis Haas Jr. Mm -hmm. will do the Delta blues and the ragtime dobro guitar. And he's a 27-year-old young African-American, uh, great energy young man that's dedicated to the preservation of the blues. He actually collects 78 records, man, the old wow. blues. And he goes by the edition number, <laughs> you know, when it came out. So he's, uh, he's around at uh, resale stores and stuff looking for 78. So Tevis Haas Jr. there uh, doing the... Um, Delta part, and then we have the the one and only Mr. Bill Rhodes. Yeah, will come up with my four piece band, uh -huh. and we'll do some Chicago stuff. Uh -huh. Well, we'll talk about Muddy's uh, trip yeah. away from the Delta. Uh -huh. uh, you know, we're gonna leave some something for the surprise of the night, but yeah. we'll take yeah. that journey from the Delta because yeah. um, the sharecroppers and the um, um, the free people when the Emancipation Proclamation, 13th Amendment, and then the Great Migration, they were free to go where? You know, what would take them away from the farms? They ended up staying on the plantation, right. working. So, the mu music, the rhythm, ended up to be their, some of them's freedom to get away from below the Mason-Dixon line, to yeah. get away from the farm. Right. Muddy walked away from behind that mule, yeah became the Hoochie Coochie Man in Chicago, yep. and thus the American Electric Blues was born. And what was he? He wasn't saying he's a boy. No, he no. said he's a man. man. He was a man. I'm a man. Right. So that's Manish Boy, that right. Hoochie Coochie Man. People, he, a lot of people don't know what that statement really means. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's big. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. It was, yeah, it meant everything. Yeah, because now he had money in his pocket. He didn't have to go to the factory to work. Yeah. You know, and he was, um, he became a man to, yeah. to yeah. where he was dependent upon himself. Yeah. You know, so that um, is. I, I, don't think he, I don't think he realized when he wrote that song <laughs> the impact that it yeah. would have. Yes. All over the world. Oh, all your British rockers, man, when yeah. the British invasion came over yeah. here, the Beatles yeah. and the, the Rolling Stones, the Yardbirds, yeah. uh, Jimmy Page and the Led Zeppelin, all those guys were looking for muddy, man, when they came right. yes. to the U.S. of A. Yeah. Yeah. So and Bill I, Rowe, I hear, I, I've heard that, that story that they tell about visiting chess and muddy being up on the ladder painting. That's, mm -hmm. not, that's, not, that's not true. I would like it to not be true. Right. You know, that's what what I would really like that yeah. Muddy didn't have to paint the paint the ceiling at Chess Records. Right, right. After he had invented every, all, you know, all the genius well, work. Well, you know, did. folklore, you yeah. know, it's got to add something. Except I think Keith Richards still tells that story. <laughs> 
Well, you know, Bill Rhodes is a historian as well. You know, he's been around DJing for KBU and KMHD, place like that. He's um, historian. So he was over for rehearsal last night, and we talked a lot. So when we do his part, we'll ha let him have a little conversation with the people about Muddy. And, yeah. you know, and the, and the guy like Elmore James, yeah. you know, guys like Elmore, you know, we got to bring, you know, bring them back, you know. So that's that part of the show. And we'll take a break, an uh, intermission. Yeah. And I'm working with um, Jeff Dodge, mm -hmm. uh, Stu Dodge's son. And we're working on um, co-producing a, a video project, which will be a podcast, uh, Tales from Old Portland. And we've been interviewing uh, Portland residents of age that's been in the area around Mississippi Street and Alberta Street uh, from Vanport to now. And we let them tell their stories. And he'll have those on episodes on his little podcast. So we're going to preview that on the intermission. Uh -huh. So we'll preview that. And then we'll come back from that intermission with uh, my four-piece band, and then LaRonda and Lenann, Renato Caranto on saxophone, right. Peter Moss on the baritone uh -huh. and flute. And we're going to do a whole little gumbo mix of mm -hmm. a little Aretha, a little uh, Gladys Knight, a little funk, a little R&B, a little Sam Cooke, mm -hmm. you know. And we're going to kind of mix it up and just put these names out into... Uh, the universe and keep them going because yeah, yeah. that's the history we're only as good as our reference and, and Afro-American reference is the history. They said well slavery was there. Yes it was but we've come a long way since then. Right. That journey has been a blessed journey so we're doing a wonderful thing. Music brought a lot of folks from Rosetta Tharp to Mahalia Jackson mm -hmm. to Bessie Smith to you uh, Buckle White, you know, um, Big Bill Broomsey, mm -hmm. all those people, man, they, they, you know, Big Bill Broomsey did Carnegie Hall, you know, so those things about history, we need to know that that journey was, music was a big part of it, you know, the Lead gospel belly? and blues. Lead Belly, yeah, Sunhouse. Right out of prison. Yeah, yeah, you Sunhouse, know. man, all the, the, the Three Kings. Yeah. Three Kings, you know, we, you know, Freddie, Albert, and BB, yep. uh, Buddy, who's still with us, uh, James Cotton, we just lost. Uh, 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 we just lost Casey Jones, the old original drummer yeah. from, you know, back in the day yeah. with all the heavy hitters. Uh, I knew Casey, I hung out with him because he played with Albert Collins. Mm -hmm. And so I met Albert Collins through uh, Isaac Scott up in Seattle, the late Isaac Scott. Oh, yeah, I played, I played some of Isaac's stuff a few weeks ago. Uh, the, the thing that they released from that, that club, that live day at, the, at, the, at a club in, 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 outside of Seattle. Uh, was it not I don't remember. the Scholar Tree or yeah, no, I Bohemian? It. Okay, I yeah, but I, Isaac gave me my first guitar lesson. Is that right? Oh, yeah, he, we went to high school together uh, wow. for one year at Jefferson uh -huh. High School. And uh, my dad had bought me a, a $11.99 guitar from H&B Pawn Shop and told me if I learned three songs, wow. he'd give me electric. If I proved to him that I wanted to play. So I met Isaac at the Church of God in Christ, Faith Tabernacle Church on North Williams Avenue in Wygant. Mm -hmm. And he was jamming up in there behind the choir. But I listened real close and I heard some Freddie King licks in that music. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we struck up a friendship and he actually gave me my first uh, 
guitar lesson. So when we do this, the big super band finale, we'll be yeah. doing that, and then we'll bring everybody out the the African drummer, the sax, the uh, harmonica, uh, Tevis Hodge, and we'll do a big finale with everybody on stage. That's great. Yeah. So it's. Uh, the tickets are on sale on Alberta Rose website. Yeah, I'll have all the information. Okay, on, good. On yeah. the page, and um, well, that's great. Well, what was uh, how long have you been cooking cooking this one up? You know, what was what was the impetus? What was what was your what was, the, what was your well? What I since my son my son is eighteen, he'll be nineteen this year. When he was in the fifth grade, I started doing um, artisan residency with his fifth grade class, which was um, uh, teaching kids going in and doing a history about the blues, taking La Ronda in and the saxophonists. We do gospel. We talk about Chuck Berry. Mm -hmm. We bring in um, recording medias like uh, cassette players, eight-track players, and all these um, 33 and a third, 78s, uh -huh. and show the kids what the medium used to be yeah. for the music. And uh, we would uh, have the kids come up and the ones that were brave enough to do it and perform a blues song. Mm -hmm. And all they would be doing is we'd just be doing an Elmo James and Jimmy Reed, boom, 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 boom. And the kids would say, I got the blues. I got the blues down in my shoes. And so to make it have more impact, I always carried some dark glasses with me. So we'd give them dark glasses, and then we'd do a Chuck Berry number, and uh, we would um, have the teachers come up and do uh -huh. the twist for the kids, <laughs> you know. And sometimes the principal would come up and sing yeah. a verse, or the I Got the Blues song, uh -huh. Uh -huh. which um, shows the children that the, the people around them, their teachers are yeah. it's people. Right, you know, they're just not right. disciplinarians and teachers. Right. They yeah. Yeah. they can do that stuff. So, right. <laughs> so when I uh, I uh, did the uh, artist in residency, I said, okay. So I I work with Ethos and I do school assemblies, uh, one hour school assemblies, mm -hmm. and I work with um, Portland Youth Project out in Westland, mm -hmm. and we go around the banks and and Beaver Creek and. Uh, places, the schools, and do music assemblies. The history, the same kind of thing I'm talking about. And I, I've been for the last six years an artist in residence at Irvington School, uh -huh. teaching sixth, seventh, and eighth graders songwriting, working as a support with, to a language arts teacher over there. And we do the initial blues history presentation for the class. And then when the semester's over, I take my whole band in Huh. And we have an all-day recording session, oh. and we set up microphones. LaRonda helps with the female vocalists. We record all day. The last semester, we had 13 songs. Everything, the titles went from Power Rangers <laughs> to Cupcakes <laughs> to Drop the Gun uh -huh. yeah. to uh, Black Lives Matter wow. and Friendship. You know, so uh -huh. the kids write about current events, mm -hmm. uh, civil rights, or uh, equal rights, or just whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And when they come to me, it's just, uh, we try to get them to write and rhyme, but it's kind of hard for them to figure that out. And when they come to me, they just come to me with paragraphs yeah. and a theme. Yeah. 
yeah. and we break it down. And what I use, I use public domain chords. You know, I go back to yeah. Uh, yeah. the Stax record and take a staple singer mm -hmm. song, and I'll take some of those chords and I'll put their music, their words over those chords mm -hmm. progressions, and I tell them where these chord, this chord of progression comes from. So it's a history lesson in yeah. that process as well. And my bass player, Rob Shoemaker, who's been with me for 32 years, we mix it down, mix down the project, uh -huh. add some guitar, add a little bit more LaRonda, uh -huh. and then we master it, and uh, we give it back to the school. Each kid gets a CD. This year, one of the little girls drew the cover artwork, and uh, we did the tray card, and uh -huh. it's a real... CD for the kids. That's great. Yeah, I've been doing that for six years over at Irvington. You gonna record this concert? You know, I want to record it because I think I can shop it. Yeah. And do it on in, in other venues, you right. know, or the uh, cities. Right. Because you know, at my age, you know, I want to try to leave a little bit of more history. Keep that history. You know, my history coming from Louisiana. You know, my grandmother's farm, you know, 112-acre farm, I grew up in paradise, but most people would say, well, you was in the South, you must have been really downtrodden, but I never had that experience on the farm. Uh, so I think I'm going to uh, put uh, some memoirs together about my life ah. from the farm and the journey to the Northwest, that 2,700-mile journey on the Union Pacific Vista Dome back in 1957. Oh, yeah coming here man and it was yeah, uh, yeah. quite a journey from I, I, I came across on one of those trains in the 70s and they, those trains were, trains were still running mm -hmm. it was the same train yeah with the uh, with, with the, the lounge car with the piano in it yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but you know what was really uh, that experience that Union Pacific experience mm -hmm. my dad came out here in 52 I came out here in he brought us out here in 57. Mm -hmm. uh, he got a job at St. Vincent's Hospital. He was working up there. But he had came out here doing Vanport, but came back to Louisiana. Uh -huh. So when we came out here, my uncle and my dad were here. My uncle stayed out here at Vanport. My dad came back to Louisiana, came back in 52. Because my uncle said, well, come on out here because the international paper in Louisiana was uh -huh. laying off. Mm -hmm. So my dad came out here. And when we were coming through Denver, the Union Pacific Porters, mm -hmm. they switched. The Portland Porters were in Denver to come back to Portland. Uh -huh. So all the Porters uh, in, the, in the Pullman cars and the restaurant car mm -hmm. knew my dad and my uncle. Oh. <laughs> so when dinner was over, yeah. you know, we came from Louisiana with sack lunches. Yeah. You know, that my grandmother and my mother had put together. Right. But when we got to Denver and we headed toward Portland, those porters took us back and gave us steak and baked potato oh, and man. onion soup. Oh, <laughs> so, oh. so, so we got the raw treatment from Denver to Portland, you know. That's so great. it showed me how uh, tight the uh, African-American community was yeah. in Portland at that time where yeah. when William Avenue and uh, yeah. Russell Street was the main hub uh -huh. of the core of black uh, African-American Portland. It's interesting to see this year um, the anniversary of Vanport's being recognized. Oh, man. 
It's a lot of history. OHSU is doing a walking history. Uh, It's a bunch of organizations, which is a blessed thing, doing a lot of history, just like Jeff uh, uh, Dodge and I are doing. Mm -hmm. And so it can be overdone. Right. You know. Do you remember who took the famous pictures that were seen all over the world of the Van Fanford flight? Paul DeLay's father. Paul DeLay's father. Yes. Really? I did a, he, was, he was a photographer with the Oregonian. Oh, wow. I did a story, a TV story on him 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And at least 10 years, probably more, 12 years ago. And took him out. He was still living then. Mm-hmm. And took him out to the same place where he stood to take the pictures. He still had the same camera. He still had the same <laughs> camera bag. Wow. And do you, did, you, did you ever know about him? I did not know he, that he was a he photographer. Was, he was semi-famous for playing the musical Saw. And his thumb was bent way back oh my from God. decades of playing the musical song because you got to bend the thing. You, you got to bend it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's the big, the big saw, the one that you bend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what they call that saw? What? In Louisiana? Uh-huh. A misery whip. <laughs> because when you're cutting a log, yeah. if the other guy wasn't pushing oh, yeah. while you was uh, right. pulling, you're yeah. dragging him through the wood. Oh, <laughs> A misery whip, yeah. So I'm looking at all these. Uh, you gave me a list of the, the uh, summer shows and the, and, and, and the outdoor stuff. Man, you're, you're booked. You are just booked. Yeah, man. We got uh, more coming. Yeah, right? we got Nahalem Bay Winery on a yeah. Saturday. Yeah. We're doing the Lake Oswego Festival of the Arts, the Camus yeah. Festival, Crawfish Festival. I see you down, yeah, I see you down at the, <laughs> you, 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 you never haven't forgotten how to suck a few heads, have you? No. <laughs> With this crawfish? Oh, yeah, man. I, You know, <laughs> I grew up. But see, the crawfish in Louisiana, yeah. dude, they eat up these crawfish up here because on, take a day like today. It's sunny, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Say thunderclouds move in. Yeah. You get this rain on a hot summer day. Now, we lived about two blocks from the bayou. It was on my grandmother's land. You go down this hill yeah. um, from her main garden, mm-hmm. and you can go down to the bayou. We fished down there and caught bullfrogs and stuff down there. But on a hot summer day, after a thunder shower, and the, the blue skies came back, the crawfish would come up out of the water, the bayou, on the bank, and they're about lobster-sized, big old red wow. crawfish. <laughs> My grandmother, Mama Lula, would say, uh, y'all go down, you children go down there and take that bucket and get some of them crawfish. And we just go down there, man, like, pick them up off the ground, wow. drop them in the bucket, man. <laughs> and they were huge. Yeah. You did not want to get crunched by one of those on your finger. <laughs> and most of the crawfish they have up here, little bitty guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Little bitty crawfish. But, you know, crawfish, you know, up here is uh, that tradition. Yeah. I play a, a crawfish boil uh-huh. in this guy's backyard, uh, a teacher over at Roosevelt. Oh. He gives it every year, and he throws in the new potatoes, uh-huh. the garlic cloves, uh-huh. The crawfish uh-huh. uh, with a, a special seasoning. They come in a, a bag, and they uh-huh. put that in there yeah. and the corn on the cob. Of course. So when they pull it up out of the cooking uh-huh. on in this big uh, basket, yeah. they just dump it <laughs> on the table, and people just come through uh-huh. with plates and just get corn on the cob and new <laughs> potatoes. You know what a new potato is, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, garlic cloves, and they just sit in the corner drinking beer and eating crawfish. So you're playing the garlic festival? Yeah, garlic festival in North Plains. North Plains. 
Can you spell that from a mile away? <laughs> well, they say fun stinks. Fun stinks in North Plains. I was out there um, uh, this Saturday night. I played the uh, uh-huh. the Rogue Pub. I've been playing that for about 15 years yeah. out there. Yeah. I've been doing the Garlic Festival for about 12, 14 wow. years. Wow. Yeah, I love it out there. North That's Plains is a beautiful little right. city. We're doing the Music on the Greens in Sherwood, the Gresham Festival of the Arts. Uh-huh. Oh, man. We just... Um, the Hazelnut Festival in, Do- in Donald, Oregon. Uh-huh. The Aurora uh-huh. Music Festival. I'm up in Salem at Christos uh-huh. uh, Pizzeria on uh, tomorrow uh, uh-huh. Thursday night. Um, with Ronaldo Caranto. And you got the you, you got you, you do you're doing your birthday party. I'm doing a birthday party. I'm working on that now. It's going to be a Norman Sylvester BB King birthday party. Because same birthday. Yeah, September 16th. Is that right? Uh, when I opened for B.B. King the first time, uh, uh, 1987, at the Arlene Schnitzer Hall, uh-huh. it was brand new. Yeah. So we played a Waterfront Blues, I mean, the Rose City Blues Festival, yeah. which was the beginning. Right. And John Lee Hooker was the headliner. Yeah. So I go to the festival with Janice, a young Janice Scroggins, <laughs> My two nieces and and my daughter, who we call the Sweet Things, uh-huh. Kenny Watkins, who was a saxophone uh-huh. harmonica player, who loved Big J McNeely, so he played horn like Big J. Oh, uh, wow. Ray Nelson, my brother-in-law at the time, Rob, and we played all original songs. Uh-huh. So I get a call about two weeks after that festival from the promoter for this show for BB, and said Norman, say, um, this is the guy uh, promoting the BB King show at the Snits. Wondering if you want to open for him. Mm. Uh, so I thought it was a joke. You know, I'm saying, no, man, I got to wash my car. <laughs> he said, no, man, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. We, we uh, want you to open for him because um, you played all original songs at that festival. Yeah. And what you plan is not going to interfere with what BB's got to do. Yeah. yeah. So we took uh, my band to uh, that show at the Snits. And I recognized the genius of Janice Scroggins when yeah. I first met her. Yeah. So we at the end of my set before the last song, I I addressed the crowd and say, I'm blessed to have uh, one of the best keyboard players I'll ever know on stage with me. And we walked off stage and Janice did a, had a baby grand and she played St. Louis Blues yeah. segued into uh, the entertainer <laughs> or the Maple Leaf Rag yeah. and got a yeah. standing ovation. Yeah. And we came back and closed it out. But that's when I found out that BB's birthday and my birthday was the same. <laughs> Actually, uh, we got to party with them uh-huh. afterwards. Uh, my family and my sisters, uh-huh. they gave me free tickets and stuff for my family. And BB, I have a, a, a dollar bill at home. Huh? The BB sign that says, wow. my birthday mate <laughs> in September 16th, you know. So was, I, was, was Tony Cohen playing with him then? No. Uh, I don't forgot what who was the drum at that time. Yeah, yeah. We had a wonderful time. But guess where I was the next day? Down at the trucking company on yes. Swan Island <laughs> in coveralls. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen. Thank you very much for stopping in. The journey of American music from Africa to the Mississippi Delta to the 21st century is uh, Alberta Rose on uh, Friday, June 2nd. Yes, it's going to be a phenomenal yeah. show. Uh, I'm sure it will be because it says it right here. It says it on the poster. <laughs> Thank you very much. Tony, pleasure as usual. Well, Tom, thank you and uh, Oregon Music News for your support. We really appreciate you. 